Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. We're speaking with Beth Butler, uh, who shares with me a, a, common, a common acquaintance, Dr. J. Lawton Smith at the Baskin Palmer Eye Institute in Miami. When she was a young girl, her parents brought her there because of visual issues, uh, and he uh, made a diagnosis of uh, optic nerve hypoplasia, which is not a common disease at all. But through discussions with her parents, um, he emphasized to her parents that she should be treated like a normal child, and as a result, Beth has grown up to be an adult with a profession, who went to law school, uh, and all did all kinds of wonderful things with her life that we would consider normal. And we've been discussing the fact that I'm sure some of you wonder, how can someone whose vision is 2200 in each eye be able to function at that high level? And I think uh, a lot of that comes from uh, having, a, having faith in God and being able to understand that sometimes God gives us disabilities uh, maybe so that he he knows we can handle them. But it also Mm. brings me back to talking about Jay Lawton Smith. Jay Lawton was an incredible teacher, an incredible professor, and a very, very uh, devout, uh, God-fearing man. We had a lot of uh, wonderful experiences with him uh, as our professor. And uh, one of the things we did when when you uh, were – on his service as a resident, uh, every lunch, <clears throat> we would all pile into his car and travel to a cafeteria in the southwest area of, of Miami that he liked to eat at for lunch. So there was Jay Lawton Smith, who's well over six foot tall, uh, very, very thin, but very still very over six foot tall, a resident uh, and a fellow, maybe two fellows, and he had a little VW Volkswagen Bug is what he had. And we'd all pile in this car, and he would drive, I would say, at easily twice the speed limit through the streets of Miami across the river to the cafeteria. And if you don't think there was prayer in that car at that moment, you're sadly mistaken. No matter what religion you were, you were praying for your life at that point because uh, that was kind of a trip that was – uh, well, it was unique. Uh, we always prayed before that lunch. Uh, and it gave me, at that point, uh, an appreciation for someone who who really understands faith 
and understands its its place in life and that he never felt that he had to make an apology uh, for the fact that he was very religious, that he believed in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Uh, as, as we now do, uh, I certainly at that point in my life had not come to that to that realization as I have now, but I will tell you another uh, another really incredible story about uh, Dr. J. Lawton Smith. Uh, and I hope you'll appreciate this. Is he would pray with every patient in the operating room before he did surgery, and the primary surgery that he did was cataract. Uh, and uh, but the ritual was he would go to the operating room, pray with the patient before the surgery began. Now, as third-year residents, of course, and second-year residents, um, you go to the operating room with your professor, and the deal was that if you can start the case and see how far you can get before the professor gets there. I mean, that's kind of the game. And uh, so you'd get to the operating room, and you'd look around, and you'd see that your professor, whoever he was, wasn't there, and you'd dig in and get started. You knew what you knew what to do. It's not that you didn't know what to do. It's just that uh, um, you were there. <clears throat> he wasn't. And so you start doing the work and see how far you can get. Uh, there were some times where uh, I'd start doing a retina case with Dr. Norton and uh, he was tied up. He was the chief of the entire place. And so you'd get tied up and he, by the time he stuck his head in the operating room, I was closing the closing there. I was all done. He'd look at me, smile, and say, how'd it go? I'd say, fine, and he'd leave. Well, Jay Lawton Smith uh, was perpetually a little bit late, Uh, sometimes a little bit late, uh, and rarely a whole bunch late. And so a fellow resident of mine, not me, a fellow resident of mine got to the OR and he started doing a cataract surgery uh, on Jay Lawton's patient. And so my fellow resident got going, and, and he, it was not very long before he got into some very serious trouble. And that's about the time that Jay Lawton Smith appeared in the operating room. And as was his, he took a quick look around, and it did not take him very long to see that things were going very very much awry. The wheels, the wheels were in the process of coming off. And he paused and he looked around and he put his hand on my fellow resident's shoulder, who was sweating profusely, I might add. And he said, uh, Doctor, I hope you see what happens when you do not properly exorcise the demons and devils from the operating room before you start the case. And that's one of my favorite Dr. J. Lawton Smith stories. He was wow. an incredible professor. And, and Beth, he really impacted your life in such an enormously positive way. He really did. He really did. And again, you know, the, I, I'm, I'm grateful um, today because my mom was willing to share, you know, those stories with me because both my parents, um, un- unfortunately, they passed. Um, fairly young. Well, no, they're get. It was young. Dad was fifty-seven, and my mom passed at sixty-five. And so, you know, the fact that I had those stories to kind of carry forward um, in terms of that experience were were huge. Um, 
I will say this, and, and again, this is how God works, right? Um, I was in Birmingham. As you said, um, I had I had gone to uh, law school, I, and that's a story in and of itself there, but I went, did my undergraduate work at West Virginia in Morgantown and graduated with a degree in foreign language and was trying to um, determine whether I was going to go on to interpreting school or go to law school. And uh, my dad, who, you know, again, a great great man and um and a, and a good good you know guide guide for me uh, he said Mary Beth that's fine he said you can you can take time to decide what you're going to do but you're going to go to work in the process right <laughs> so you're going to work while you decide so come home to Naples and you can stay with me and uh you know make application to graduate school or to law school um and so you know as i was you know having conversations and I came to Christ actually that summer after I graduated from college. And, um, so in that journey, um, was having regular conversations with the Lord about, you know, how, how does a legally blind, uh, individual get through law school? You know, I mean, uh, there is a lot of reading involved. It's, it's tedious. And I just finished four years of college. And, and so we had, you know, I had some heavy conversations going on. And so I, I, you know, thought, okay, well, I'm just going to compromise because, you know, this is how we, I'm going to make this deal and I'll apply to one law school. Well, I actually, too, West Virginia um, was, was, was number one and then uh, Cumberland Law School in Birmingham, Alabama at Sanford University was my second. So I applied and, um, you know, I thought, okay, Lord, you know, now if you want me to go to law school, there's the door and you can open it and, you know, that's fine. And so... I go on, um, I was working at the Ritz-Carlton actually at the time, um, and uh, I said, um, I, I went to the to the mailbox and uh, got that letter and opened it, and I was accepted to, to Cumberland Law School. And I argued with the Lord from the time I got to the, you know, from the mailbox out to, to, to the front door, because I was like, are you sure? I mean, you know I have 2200 vision, are you sure this is what you want me to do? Um but the reality was that was exactly what I was supposed to do, and um, I was uh, actually, I, I said I had worked at the at the Ritz when I applied for that position. I think I shared this with you as well, Dr. Dan, that um, I went in for that interview with a four-year degree, right, in foreign language with Spanish, and I applied for a pool bar server there at the at the hotel. And this was back right before the ADA, so it was it was um, 1989, the summer of 1989, and interviewed and um, had the had the you know answered the questions and and so forth. And and the the gentleman that interviewed me said, "Well, is there anything else that I need to know?" And I said, "Well, I said you know I've got a vision problem. I said, but I said I've, I'm I'm fine. I mean I'm you know." I, I just don't drive as a result, but I, I live within bike riding distance of, of the hotel, so I'll be on time and, you know, there won't be any issues at all. And and I said, the menu, I can memorize the menu. You know, there's nine items on the menu. I, that'll not be a problem. And, okay, okay, that's fine. And so off I go, you know, thinking, well, that was that was good. I should get a call, and um, I didn't get a call back. And a couple of days pass, and I didn't get a call back. And so that was really what I needed. Um, to experience, to say, wow, wait a minute, you know, just because I have, you know, verbally said, hey, I've got a vision problem, the fact that I have a four-year college degree means nothing, and I can't serve drinks by a pool? I mean, are you kidding me? So um, my my dad actually had a friend at the time who 
um, had some, uh, she worked at the airlines and uh, had some reciprocity with the hotel. So she offered to make a call. And of course, I said, that's ridiculous. I, you know, I can get this on my own, but thank you very much. And after three days passed or so, I said, okay, you know, go ahead and, and, and see what you can find out. And she did. And sure enough, that, you know, it was confirmed that they were concerned. They were concerned about, you know, obviously me me walking into the pool or, you know, I mean, it is a five-star, it's a beautiful hotel. So I get that. Um, but again, the fact that the door closes and, uh, as I said, you know, not having, um, you know, uh, any indication by looking at me that I have a disability, but the fact that I can verbally say, uh, geez, I've got this, this issue, but you know, it shouldn't, it won't be a problem. Um, the door closes. That was, that was really the message to me that, you know, the Lord, the Lord was saying, you know, trust me in this. And, um, and I've, I've, I've got a plan. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. We'll be right back after a quick break. We're speaking with Beth Butler, uh, who shares with me a, a common a common acquaintance, Dr. J. Lawton Smith at the Baskin Palmer Eye Institute in Miami. When she was a young girl, her parents brought her there because of visual issues, uh, and he uh, made a diagnosis of uh, optic nerve hypoplasia, which is not a common disease at all. But through discussions with her parents, um, he emphasized to her parents that she should be treated like a normal child. And as a result, Beth has grown up to be an adult with a profession, went to law school. I did go on to law school. And uh, and, and let me say this, I think it, what, what's really cool, I was in Birmingham and um, had a I'm going to say I had a great experience in law school. That does not mean I, I want to do that over. Let me just um, let your listeners in. <laughs> there are a few things in my life that, that I wouldn't necessarily want to do over. Law school is certainly one of those. That and the bar exam. But um, while I was there, I was introduced uh, to the, the uh, vocational rehabilitation services there in Alabama. And part of that process was um, to see a, a doctor, an ophthalmologist there named Dr. Tom McKinnon. And Dr. McKinnon um, did my evaluation uh, while I, he was my doctor while I was in Birmingham. And as he looked at my records, I'll never forget the first time that he gave me an exam. And he comes and he looks at my records and he says, Dr. J. Lawton Smith? He said, well, I'm not touching that. He said, I, I mean... <laughs> You can't get any better than that right there. And, uh, in fact, he, too, had studied under uh, Dr. Smith um, uh, while he was in school as well. And so um, he comes back after completing the exam, and he hands me a phone number. And he said, um, I don't know if he said, uh, well, he said, I know that Dr. Smith is no longer practicing, but he is still in South Florida and lives in the Miami area. Here's his number. He said, if you'd ever want to give him a call. And um, I thought, wow, because I had shared with him, you know, the, the same story that I've shared with you. And uh, and I, I thought, how cool is that? And I put that in my wallet. And this was back in, I don't know, probably 2003, maybe something, 2002, 2003. And uh, I remember uh, in 2000, it was 2005, I guess, 2005, 2006. Uh, and I was at work. And uh, I had actually just, well, it was probably 2005 because my mom passed away in December of 2000 and, um, 
and four. And uh, I just, you know, you get very, um, obviously, reflective. And I think after losing my mom, it was kind of that, um, you know, you just start to realize your your own, you know, life and and, uh, taking some inventory and, and I was at work, and I, I came across that number, and I thought, you know what? I think it's time. I think I think it's time. So I, I sat down at my desk, and uh, I gave Dr. – I dialed the number. And uh, Dr. Smith answered the phone, and I recognized his voice immediately. Um, and I introduced myself, and uh, I said, Dr. Smith, I said, I know you're not going to know or remember me. I said, but um, you diagnosed me with hypoplasia of the optic nerve um, when I was four years old, uh, back in 19, whatever that was, 74, 75. Um, And I said, I just, you know, I am now um, a mom. I am graduated from college, went on to law school. I'm married. um, And I'm an attorney. And and I, you know, work for, at the time I was with Wachovia, um, they had bought South Trust Bank uh, in Birmingham, so I was with, uh, I think it was Wachovia. Um, and I said, uh, you know, so much of who I am today and the uh, the choices and the courage that I've had to kind of move forward and take risks has come from the power of the words of the message that you gave my parents uh, when I was four, right, the day I was diagnosed. Um, and I said, my mom, you know, shared with me that, um, again, you, you charged them with the task of taking me home and treating me like my other two daughters, my other two sisters, um, or that they would make a cripple out of me. And I said, thank God that they heeded that advice and that that is exactly what they did. And I said, you know, I was not restricted. Um, as I said, you know, I, I ride my, rode my bike unassisted, played softball, And that was back, you know, I laugh. Now we wrap our kids in bubble wrap practically to put them on a bike, you know, with the helmets and all the the garb that they wear to keep them safe. But, you know, that was back before the days that we we paid attention to any of that. And so the fact that that he um, had that insight and was willing to to share that, and um, I said that really transformed the the journey that I've had. And um, I said, I just wanted to take a minute and um and thank you for that. And of course, you know, he 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 was silent on the other end and and then of course he he you know graciously said, "Well, you know, I'm I'm very proud of you. It sounds like you you have done, you know, amazing things and and uh he said, "I'm actually preparing for a men's Bible study right now." And uh he said, "Do you mind if we pray before we hang up?" And I said, "I I absolutely don't." And so he, we had a prayer um, together, and uh, and uh, that was it. Um, I, I thanked him very much, and um, and that was it. And I I really didn't. I mean, that was just a, a huge moment for me. I think of just, um, and I'm going to say closure, but I don't know that that's right either. Because um, about it's probably been two years ago or three years ago. Um, you know, you find yourself in 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 periods of time in your life where. I don't know about you, but I kind of, I get where, where I get kind of comfortable, you know, and I was in a corporate job and I was, you know, doing, doing well. And, um, just, you know, you, you kind of have that, that corporate experience of, you know, life is good. I've got a paycheck. I got a job. And then the Lord comes along 
sometimes, I think, and takes us in a little cozy nest that we've built for ourselves and kind of turns that nest over a little bit. And uh, that's that's kind of what happened to me about two years ago. And I found myself with an opportunity to step out and do the work I'm doing now, but be a consultant and kind of, which is something I never would have done had I had I not had my nest kind of dumped upside down, if that makes sense. Um, and the Lord's like, are you going to trust me or are you going to trust, you know, your corporate, you know, job? I mean, who 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 are you going to trust here? And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The rights to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Yes.